the supernatural is something that isn't supposed to happen, but it does happen. Ghost Tim Weisberg here. Did the did the guy say it? No. Okay, because I was waiting for it. I'm totally out of it tonight. <laughs> I am. Uh, how do we say this? I am totally devoid of energy, and not for paranormal reasons. How's how's my microphone doing over there in the podcast recording? I know it was giving us a problem last week. Um, seems all right. Yeah, it seems a little better. Because I didn't listen to last week's podcast yeah. yet. I've been way too busy to even edit it. So I'm hoping that it worked out for the best. Uh, well, Matt Costa, you know, it's it's 20 minutes before 10 o'clock here. So uh, we're going to kind of give you an abbreviated first hour. And then in our second hour, we're going to really get into a, a fascinating discussion with uh, our guest, guest co-host for the night, Christopher Balzano. He'll be joining us along with Reverend Clarissa Vasquez. Vasquez, who's going to uh, be joining us to talk about the idea of whether or not the paranormal can become an accepted science. We say all the time here that we're trying to make that so, but the question that's always out there is, can it be? And there's a variety of reasons why or why not, and Matt Moniz, our own science advisor, is going to be able to speak to that better than anybody, because he actually is a real scientist. A scientist, I said. Yeah. So... Uh, we'll get into all that coming up in the second hour, but uh, Matt Costa, but at the beginning of the show there, you know, we were waiting. You, you, we'll talk a little bit of production stuff here yes. on the air, but you're, you're waiting for just the right moment to jump in because uh, you don't want to cut off what the gentleman on the syndicated show was saying in an awkward spot just to yeah. jump in with our program. Well, let me tell you a little something, okay? <laughs> that stuff there, is as great as the programming here on WBSM is, that's all rebroadcasts of stuff that's already been aired during the course of the week. That's what they use so on, the, on the weekends. So they had their chance. <laughs> they had their time. Lars Larson, Jim Bohan, all these yeah. guys, they had their time. This here is our time. This is our time. Down here, it's our time. <laughs> all right, so you don't have to worry about cutting those guys off. That's have to worry about you, where your puffer is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this one's yours, One-Eyed Willie. But you just make sure that you keep, you know, us on the air, and that you you give us the maximum amount of time. Those other guys have had their say. You know what? They're on hundreds of stations across the country. We yeah. are here on WBSM each and every Saturday night to talk about the paranormal. So Special. very it's limited, intimate. And also, I would almost beg to differ that after last night, we're bigger stars than <laughs> whoever that was on that show beforehand yeah. because. We are actually certified, bona fide, potentially suicide rock stars because we probably killed ourselves from any political careers uh, in the future. Although it worked for the mayor, but the mayor also didn't dress like us. Yeah. Uh, but someday if you or I decide to run for public office, those photos will somehow resurface. I'll make sure of it. Thank you, Matt Moniz. Thank you also, by the way, for uh, your great camera work on our little video. We're going to get it uploaded to the... Spooky South Coast website, and I know they're working on getting 
the video was posted on YouTube. I guess there was people there actually filming it. Yeah. Um, I was partaking in adult beverages, so I wasn't really aware of everything that was going on. But I, I did know my, I did know my parts. I did know what I had to play when I got up there at the Rock Me Amadeus fundraiser, which was a fabulous event. Terry Walkowitz, Wayne Morrison, they did a great job putting it on. Terry's idea and Wayne helping it come to fruition. Uh, they raised a lot of money to help the New Bedford Symphony Orchestra's Music in Schools program. You know, it's not too late, even though you couldn't make the event. If you want to give a check to the NBSO to help support that program, I'm sure they would be more than happy to accept it. But uh, it was it was a lot of fun to actually get up there and perform. Um, a lot of I, talented people up absolutely. there. Absolutely. It's amazing. I was surprised, I have to say. And, and you know, I, I love Sean McCarthy. He's a colleague of mine. He's a good friend of mine. The guy does a great job with all of his work over there at the newspaper. But in the Rock Me Amadeus pre-event story that he wrote, I think I was kind of misquoted. And I, I meant to tell this to Ken in person, Ken Pittman, the afternoon host here at BSM. I, I was misquoted a little bit. I didn't say that I was surprised that Ken could sing that well. What I said is I was surprised that Ken could sing that well, you know, hitting those Bon Jovi notes, with the idea being that even Bon Jovi himself can't hit him anymore. That's true. So, I mean that—that's what was impressive. I—I f- I figured Ken Ken could sing. He wouldn't—he wouldn't take the microphone if he couldn't. So uh, I know what the hell. Are you all right, man? Yeah. All right. <laughs> he's like he's starting to doubt your thing because we're picking up some some weird. Uh... Was that? I don't know. Was that you or was that me? I don't know. I don't hear it now. I don't know either. Weird. Weird. Microphone Weird. is so. Yeah. Well, that that's the most sensitive microphone in the world. I think Mike Markowitz wants to add that to his investigation arsenal. <laughs> that might be what it might be. It might just be actually just wind movement. It's that sensitive. Some breathing. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe it's an EVP. Well, we don't have windscreen, so. Where's Mike when you need him? Anyway, let's get back to plugging ourselves as rock stars. <laughs> so, no, I mean, the the educators band did a great job. The police, I mean, they were all good. Uh, the the South Coast Hospitals band was very impressive. Yeah. I was actually uh, I was scared that we were going to be the worst ones there. But no, you know, I was actually surprised uh, that because yeah. uh, everybody we did went so, so well, late. like when they uh, when they were on before us. Mm-hmm. So I was I was convinced, and I mentioned this to both of you guys, but I was convinced that the reason why we were on. We were the second-to-last local band before the Terry Loose headlining performance was not because we were, like, second-best or second-most important behind the mayor. It was because they figured by that point people would have had enough drinks <laughs> that we would sound good. And everybody was telling us that we did. So either we were good and we just didn't realize yeah. it until we got up on stage or their plan worked. One of the two. Yeah. But I don't know. I'm I'm still I'm still amazed that we pulled it off, especially because you know we were on our third guitarist I think right yeah our third guitarist Ethan Broch who is amazing yeah. pick up his album Out of Oblivion that's his uh, his solo album and he's also in the band Angels of Babylon so pick that up as well but he was just tremendous also sits in with Megadeth occasionally it, it, and. I can see why, because uh, the guy can play, and he's not that you know he's not that much older than us. He's around our age, uh, but he's just keeping that spirit of you know '80s metal alive, mm-hmm. whereas a lot of other guys are too busy, you know, screaming into the microphone 
And it, my theory on that is, why did you bother to write lyrics if I can't understand them? <laughs> and so I think he's going back to a, a simpler time in rock and metal. So uh, it was just a great event overall. And uh, again, thanks to, to Terry for having us. Thanks to Ken Pittman for suggesting us. Uh, Phil Paleologus, he did a great job playing the air guitar. He, I mean, just the 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 practice and the the, yep. the practice hours and the lessons that must have gone into. I mean, because I'm standing there playing behind him. Yeah, I wouldn't yeah. have known that he didn't know what he was doing. I mean, he looked like he was. He had the chords down better that, than that I did. A, that was a custom air guitar, wasn't it? Yes, it had a nice WBSM yeah. logo right in the middle of yep. it. But like, he seemed to know the part better than I did. He just didn't have any strings. So I was just, I was, I was thinking about switching with him. <laughs> but I think what it was is he just wanted to concentrate on giving the people a show. Yep. You know, less about technique and more about, you know, the grand, grandeur of it all. So, worked out well. I mean, I'm, I'm just glad that, uh, you know, that us AV nerds, us media people, didn't turn out to be the worst. <laughs> I like your 13 year old drummer. That kid yeah, could TikTok. wail. Yeah. <laughs> Keith TikTok Pittman, son of Ken Pittman, he did a great job, and I don't think he liked the nickname very much, uh, but... Uh, that's his nickname. <laughs> he gets a nickname. And uh, and Doreen Scanlon from, from Channel 6 was great. Channel 6 did a great job of uh, putting up videos. You can go to their website, abc6.com, and check out some of the videos. You'll see Matt Costa playing guitar, Yeah, actually. But hurry up, because it's a news website, and they, the videos change all the time, and they don't always archive them, so... You want to go check that out tonight. So basically, that's why we're exhausted, because we were partying like rock stars. We were. Yes. And I certainly got my fill of rock star brie and crackers <laughs> and grapes. Moni, I actually Rony had Moni's feeding them to me. Those Roni rolls were delicious. Roni rolls were ridiculous. <laughs> those were so good. They were tasty. And uh, I don't know who made those. Was that the uh, uh, Domino's or... No, I think that might have been part of the the spread from the Skyrim. And what a, what a fabulous venue! I I've never been there before. The Skyrim in Highland Place. I I can't believe that there's a, a place with a view like that where people can go and and have drinks and you know different events can be held there. I mean, we we should put something on there for sure. Maybe a, uh, I don't know. We'll come up know. with something. I've driven by there, but I've never noticed anything there sure i mean i knew about I mean, the i knew they had the um the gym downstairs and that was really it i know a lot of times like little leagues yeah, and uh, we we try to stay away from those places yeah i don't i don't oh. really if <laughs> if you if you see me there at the gym i'm I'm there to like make fun of people as i'm eating a double cheeseburger hey you want a bite of this <laughs> but uh no i mean i know like little league and, and youth baseball have signups there so I, I just never realized that there was such a cool facility there i mean any place that you can take an elevator to just to get to is fine by me. It's like the Skyrim and like Mr. Drummond's apartment. <laughs> you know, it's like they're pretty much on the same wavelength uh, in, in terms of my So there you go. That's our little uh, spiel about Rock Me Amadeus. Uh, again, keep a eye peeled for the videos. They're, they're coming, and we'll make sure that uh, you see them because we're not completely embarrassed by what we did. That's because the reality hasn't set in yet, though, either. You guys actually did very well. Thank you. It's the fact that we dressed as we did. And, and Ken mentioned to me earlier today that he thought one of us should have won the prize. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we were really I don't know if we uh, were eligible. eligible. Yeah. yeah. 
So, but uh, Matt, describe your outfit of of what you put together. Uh, well, it was a bunch of stuff that I found in my closet um, because I didn't have enough money to go. I actually did not have enough money to go down to the Salvation Army. <laughs> I think theoretically you can fill out some paperwork and they'll just give you, you a bag of clothes. Yeah. I'm not sure how that so, works, but you had you uh, had some sneakers. Yeah, I had uh, my bandana tied around my leg. Um, I was surprised that you went sneakers because you're usually yeah, a boots guy. I know. I, know. I, I tried to church it up. There you uh, go. <laughs> Uncharge it. <laughs> Uncharge it. And, and uh, you, you had not the official, but the bootleg Guns N' Roses t-shirt, right? I did. That was the we bought from yeah. some crazy guy outside no, the that, garden. That the one that I had on was actually the uh, eight dollar JC JC Penny. Uh, oh, oh, you oh, shirt. you buy rock shirts at JC Penny? Uh, I had to stretch Lame-o. it out because it was athletic fit. Lame. I am anything but athletic. <laughs> so, <laughs> and then uh, the uh, I was impressed by the uh, the Amish beer that you yeah, you know, yeah that was uh, I would have said Hasidic, but there might be some Hasidic people that would get offended. But I'm pretty sure no Amish people are listening. <laughs> I, to the I radio. had to take it off during the performance because it it kept falling off and bringing down my glasses. Yes, the glasses, so, of course, were the uh, PS de Resistance. It was actually a uh, a Captain Jack Sparrow. Costume was that what that was? It was actually hair that I just uh, <laughs> you made a beard. <laughs> yeah, that is very very nice. So, uh, but yeah, the beer goggles were the hit of the night. Everybody was talking about those. Yep. And uh, see, unlike you, I actually went to the Salvation Army and I dropped <laughs> like really good. I dropped like thirty five dollars. Nobody the, recognized you. Yeah, well, that's fine. Nobody would have recognized anyway. all the time. But uh, hey, aren't you that fat guy <laughs> from the Standard Times that likes to eat a lot? Yeah, that's me. But uh, so I had on the rip the rip denim shorts that went down to like my ankles, which you know I'm, yeah. it, it was true <laughs> I did cut them that particular day, so they didn't really have the full fray. But uh, some boots, uh, tie dye t shirt, which uh, is from the Dylan Joseph collection. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think it might have been the one I used to wear in high school. And I had uh, a flannel shirt tied around my waist only because it didn't fit. And I had a wig and a knit cap, sunglasses, and I had shaved my goatee that I was sporting into the most awesome rock and roll mustache I could pull off. But you can see my wife went out, and it's gone now. So, but uh, that was our... And then, of course, because we don't know, we we don't really understand the whole rock and roll scene like Moniz does because he's worked in it for so long. You know, we, we didn't really know what was going down, so... We carried our guitars on our backs all night long yeah. and kind of looked dorky for yeah. that. Yeah. Thanks for telling us, by the way. I figured you'd figure it out on your own. Yeah, we, but we couldn't figure out where to put them, so we just kept <laughs> rolling with it. Could have put them up with the sound engineer for the night. Joey would have looked at yeah. That's true. Psycho Joe would not have that's, let anything happen to our part of our uh, costumes, anyway. Yeah, part of our initiation, too. And uh, definitely thank you to, to the crew, to Wayne and Joe and, and Troy and the light guy whose name I don't know. Uh, but everybody did a great job making sure that we didn't look and sound as bad as we really are. <laughs> <laughs> That's for sure. Um, but uh, w- one of the questions that I had for you, Moniz, maybe you can help us out. We had a question about some of the lingo that was being used <laughs> that we didn't quite understand. You know, we've got words like gig. The the gig or or jig, as it's mispronounced. Uh, the if the, you want to make the the g soft, but uh, what what was the question? What what was it that we were told 
We're told that if uh, we don't, if if he didn't see our standbys, yeah, <laughs> to just drop our cord, just unplug our cords and drop them, so or something like that. So what would our standbys have been? Uh, is that a term you're familiar with? No, All actually, right. because I mean, mm-hmm. <laughs> maybe it's like a. He was just trying to throw us off. Maybe because we were just gonna, we were literally just gonna stand there until the next band came up and said, "Give me that plug." So, it would have worked <laughs> either way. I think he's referring to the amps that you would be uh, plugged into. Yep. Um, because there were uh, various stacks over there, and some of them were designated for specific bands, and some were for house. Okay. So I think what they're referring to is uh, which plugs that you would go into. For, House versus somebody else's stack. Hmm. Well, we were uh, we were happy for the learning experience anyway, because now you know if we wanted to form a band, we would actually have a performance under our belts. Yep. So, I mean, I'm just saying, I'm just throwing it out there. <laughs> it's uh, it's it's a lot of commitment, a lot of work, a lot of practice, a lot of rehearsal, all of which I am totally not down with. <laughs> But uh, if anybody out there ever decides that they want to form a band that will only play yeah. Living on a Prayer and It's My Life and you need a rhythm guitarist, I'm your man. <laughs> so. Wing it. We'll just wing it. <laughs> wing any it? band, any wing band it, who wants to wing it. Yeah, we're, we're pretty. No, I can't wing it. I don't know enough to wing it. I can only know what's on that piece of paper in front of me. Well, anyway, I am proud of you, Matt Costa, because yeah. as much of a goofball as i can be and is is i'm I'm a little bit extra extroverted and you're a very introverted person normally so i was very proud of you i'm like you know the first night we go there for rehearsal matt's hiding behind doreen over in the keyboard in the corner mm-hmm. and then when they actually start he steps out and i was like oh you're gonna step out like i thought you were gonna hide in the corner i was gonna go hide in the corner with you and then of course last night we get up on stage he's standing up there on the end of the drum riser and you know he's up there he's like Wah. Oh, he was rocking it up. Oh yeah, he was going. He was doing the Wild Stallions up there. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I, I'm very proud of you for. I, I didn't have as good as uh, moves as Wayne though. No, Wayne, Wayne does have he's the got moves. Some, he's, he's got some good uh, Mr. Bassman moves. When you step on stage, you are like Frampton, and you come alive. <laughs> That's a very impressive. Uh, you know, I talked right through what would have been the Week and Weird segment, so uh, we can save that. Maybe we'll get into that a little bit later on in the program. But we are going to have uh, a full hour of paranormal discussion coming up next. And the topic is is going to be one that, I don't know, I'm, I'm not really sure how this is going to go because I know what I believe going into this discussion and I know what I think. And I think when I look at it from the other side, I may feel a little bit differently coming out uh, from the next hour. But we're going to talk about whether or not the paranormal can be considered an accepted science. Now, we can probably agree, all agree right now that it's not, you know, it's not accepted science right now. But uh, we could be getting close. We could be farther away than ever. Uh, we'll talk about all that with our guest co-host for the evening, Christopher Balzano, and our guest, Reverend uh, Clarissa Vasquez, about whether or not it can become accepted. We welcome your calls, your thoughts, 508-996-0500-1877-996-1420. You can also email us spookycrew at spookysouthcoast.com. We can get those right here in the Spooky Studio. Uh, our friend Craig is not running the chat tonight, uh, but I know that Luann is there 
And uh, there's some other people who are going to be filling in for Craig while he is uh, not at his computer tonight. But uh, it'll certainly be the usual lively discussion that you usually. It's uh, Luann and Sean are going to be taking care of it tonight. And it'll definitely be the the discussion that you're used to there. So if you click on the chat link on the front page of SpookySouthCoast.com, it'll take you right to Craig's site where the chat is hosted. And uh, we just... We just want to know what you think. We, it doesn't matter if you want to call in and share your thoughts, if you want to send them in an email anonymously. Uh, for all we know, you know, you could be a top-level NASA scientist or maybe somebody working for the Department of Defense on something, and you know things that you can't share with us by giving your name. Hey, share it anyway. We'll take <laughs> it. No, come on. It, the only way it's going to become an accepted science is if we stop pussyfooting around it. And unfortunately, that's what a lot of people in the it'll science stop field becoming do. A, a, it'll start becoming a science when we actually start studying it. It's never really been studied. That's the problem. It's only been observed? Casually, yeah. Okay, well, we'll get into all that coming up after the news and uh, definitely a full hour. What do you think? Can we go commercial free? Um. Yeah, heck, awesome. let's try it. Yeah. All right. We'll come back with a commercial free hour of Spooky South Coast coming up. Can the paranormal be considered science? We'll find out with Chris Balzano and Clarissa Vasquez in just a few minutes, right after the news, here on Spooky South Coast. Did not lose Chris. Spooky South Coast is burned. Welcome back, hour number two. Well, not exactly hour number two, because we were cut short by the Red Sox, which is, we're in that season. So uh, if ever the game is running late, just be sure that Spooky South Coast will be here, ready to go on the air after the game. We're, uh, you know, we're usually pretty good about staying in at least during part of the program, unless it's like a 17-inning game, then we're going to go home. But uh, as long as it's within the... 11 to midnight range, you'll hear us come on the air. And uh, that's what we're going to do tonight for the remaining part of the hour. We are going to have a discussion with Chris Balzano is going to join us as our guest co-host. If we bring on Chris, you know him from the Massachusetts Paranormal Crossroads, from his books Picture Yourself Ghost Hunting and Picture Yourselves Capturing Ghosts on Film. And Chris, Picture Yourself Co-Hosting a Radio Show Over the Phone. That could be your new title. <laughs> Well, I'm in front of a mirror, so I can picture myself doing just about anything, unfortunately, right now. <laughs> so you do have a reflection. I do. I do. I am definitely not. I've always considered myself more werewolf than uh, than vampire. That's, so I, uh, 
That's true. And I've never even seen you with your shirt off, but I can see where you're coming from with that. It's a scary sight. All right. And also joining us on the other line is Reverend Clarissa Vasquez of the uh, CCPI, uh, that is the Colorado Coalition of Paranormal Investigators. Uh, she was born in Grand Junction, Colorado. She's lived in various places throughout the U.S. Uh, she's the founder and lead investigator for CCPI uh, that was founded in 2004, looking to bring a touch of science and cooperation to the paranormal field. And she is also an, adorned, an ordained minister, currently attending Colorado Mountain College and working on a degree in history. And that's actually what brings her onto the program. Good evening, Clarissa. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you. So it's actually because of the you're pursuing your education here that brought about tonight's topic and whether or not the paranormal can ever be considered an accepted science. That's right. That's exactly right. I was assigned a 20-page research paper, and my chosen topic was whether or not the, the art of paranormal investigating, for lack of a better term, can be considered a legitimate and respected field of scientific research. And so how are you going about breaking down that discussion for the paper? I mean, are you, are you getting out there and polling scientists working in the, in the actual hard sciences and, and finding out what they think? Well, my first stop was actually other investigators. Um, Chris, for one, was one of the people that I spoke to. Um, Barry Fitzgerald, Lloyd Auerbach, um, a bunch of others. And the one thing that I kept running into over and over and over again from other investigators was that paranormal investigation cannot be considered a legitimate form of scientific research for two reasons. One, we don't conduct our experiments in a lab. And two, there are too many variables with our investigating. We don't have any controls. And so with that, that got my brain working a little bit, and we have actually uh, developed an experimental program that we're going to launch in June uh, that will utilize controls in a controlled environment uh, to see if we can gather paranormal evidence uh, in that nature. Well, I mean, talk to a little bit more about that. How, how are you going to go about doing that? Well, we are going to, as of right now, the experiment has five different controls ranging from time, temperature, lunar phase, equipment, and then a specific set of EVP questions for a very brief Q&A period. And what we're going to do is go to locations where there was a known fatality vehicle accident, like on the side of the road where you see the crosses, etc. Um, and the... The hypothesis behind it is that by doing this, we can either confirm or rule out some of the phantom hitchhiker legends and theories. Well, we have uh, actually part of our program is Matt Moniz, our science advisor, who is actually a research chemist by trade, and he works in the science field every day. And, Matt, we've often talked on this show uh, exactly what Clarissa said, the fact that it's not done in a lab is is something that a lot of people have a problem with in the science field, to which we've always made the discussion, just as Clarissa is doing, why not make the lab be somewhere where this these events have happened? Well, that's, you can do that, but um, that's her, her statement about it has to be done in a lab to be science is actually false. Well, okay? that's not the, her statement. I'm, that's no, uh, what well, was coming back to sorry, her research. Let me correct that. 
the statement being whoever yes. makes it that uh, it has to be done in a lab to be science is false. I'll give you a primary example. People that study whales. You're not going to get a whale in a lab. You have to go out and see. That's where your lab mm-hmm. is, is the out- outdoors. Field research is, right. is yeah, that, still lab is, work. Yes. It's still Precisely. lab work. Precisely. That was my argument. That was my rebuttal back to them is you know, paleontology and archaeology follow right. the same principles that we do. We gather our evidence out in the field and then take it back to the lab or dining room or wherever you go to analyze your evidence. You know, we take it back to our lab to study it just as other scientists do. Correct. Uh, So that's a a common misconception by other people that are generally not scientists. And science is an application. It is not, it it is in the way that you conduct it. It is not uh, where it is conducted or anything like that. It's the methodology employed. Uh, As long as you systematically employ the appropriate, what is considered appropriate techniques, that is science. And you record your results as such. And you call your data from your your protocol. However, you design the protocol, you execute it, and then it should be able to be repeated by somebody else following the same protocols. That's what science, hard science, is about: is repeatability. If somebody's able to take that same protocol that you generated and replicate your results, that's science. No if, no and, no but. Well, what about the idea of those controls, Clarissa? I mean, it, it seems like. You're even taking a shot in the dark with the uh, locations that you've uh, you've chosen because are these sites that necessarily have a reputation of having activity related to those fatalities? The, the sites that we've chosen are we've got 20 locations that we're going to investigate over a three-month time span, summer from June through August, and what we're we're trying to in essence to keep kill two birds with one stone, and either confirm or eliminate the phantom hitchhiker series that are associated with those locations. Okay. Well, one of the problems that I have with the argument about controls is that they argue that there are no controls with the paranormal because of the nature of the activity. But can't the controls be everything that's not paranormal activity? Can't the controls be the way the environment is Normally, so that when something does happen, it goes. You know what I mean? Like you're talking testing location and getting a null result. Exactly. So you walk into the Lizzie Borden bed and breakfast, and you get nothing. Yeah, you get completely normal readings, and then when you have it, that that's your control. So I don't understand where that argument comes from. If something in the room suddenly causes a fluctuation or repeated fluctuations, then the control is what the room would be like if that wasn't happening. Precisely, and that's with the the idea behind controls is to try to eliminate the variables. Well, so if you can if you can eliminate um, temperature fluctuations by trying to you know replicate the same condition, and on the third night out get you know a, a significant temperature drop during your EVP session, then you know, that can be noted at that location as, you know, a possible, I said possible, um, variable to your controlled situation and would require further study at that location. Well, Chris, you're somebody who straddles the line between scientific investigation and folklore and mythology aspects of things. 
don't you think that these answers that Clarissa is being given by the science community and by the investigative community even, don't you think they're kind of just the usual cop-outs that we usually hear, that we actually have a, a, a working field lab and that we actually have working controls, but they just won't accept them as such? Yeah, and I think, you know, I really um, molded over in my head when I when I first received the email from Clarissa asking me, you know, to for my thoughts on this, and and I've kind of been rolling it over in my head for the past two weeks, and uh, of like, well, what exactly would I say? And my initial uh, impression was to say, well, you know, it really should be, because, you know, there are some things that uh, we feel as investigators are standards, or some things that, you know, we conduct ourselves, the best of us conduct ourselves, the way scientists strive to as well, which is, um, you know, uh, to to come up with an idea, to come up with a theory, to test that theory, to gather evidence, to evaluate, you know, these things that are really kind of the basis of science. Um, but I, I think more than, and, and I do agree that, you know, it, it's, it's kind of poo-pooing, um, you know, what people are out there doing to just automatically say, well, you can't because you can't control it or you can't create an environment. My issue... Um, is the why. You know, we really don't know, um, and I've never really been given a lot of clear explanations, even by um, even even by scientists who are working in the field or even by people who are, you know, much more knowledgeable than I am, what some of these things mean. So, for example, Clarissa mentioned the cold spot. Well, why is it cold? Um, why is it, and then why do some investigators, when they go out, look for heat? Um, I think it's the, uni- there, there are no kind of unified ideas or there's a lack of unified ideas as to um, what exactly the evidence we get means. We know that it, it, it coincides with other activity, with activity that we can observe or we can photograph, um, but sometimes there's a confusion as to what exactly that gets. And I think a really good example of that might be um, if people were listening to last week's show and listening to Mike Markowitz talking about EZP. And, um, you know, there are drastic Different methods of gaining EVP, and people who um, and people who have dramatically different ideas and how they approach it. And even Mark uh, Mike in his own stuff uh, does things differently. And you know he has a setup that's more expensive than my car. And when it comes down to it, he's talking about spiritual energy. So all of a sudden it's like, well, wait a minute. I mean, how can I how can I hold that in my hand? How can I investigate that? Like some sometimes these arguments we have are the why of. We know something coincides with it, but we don't really necessarily know um, the why behind it. And for every reason we have for why, we have someone else who says why something else is the exact opposite. Well, Chris, I might be able to help you with the cold and heat thing. You ready for this? I am always waiting for you, Moniz. All right, here we go. In physics, there is a natural reaction, especially in chemistry, when something is being created, it draws energy out of its natural environment mainly heat, heat energy, and that's called an endothermic reaction. And when an action is being performed or an action happening outward, uh, uh, like something being moved, that is caused by what is known as an exothermic reaction. Heat is a byproduct of the energy being expended. So these things conform to the known laws of physics, in my opinion. This is why people feel the cold spots. you're and talking then, about known laws of physics, and you're talking about things that are known within science. I'll, I'll throw out a little bit of a curveball here, and this is probably something the scientists don't want to hear, but quantum mechanics, are, are we sure 
that that definitely exists, or are we working in theory? That's still theory, mainly at this point. Neutrinos, are we sure that they exist, or are we working in theory? No, neutrinos are are, are particles that okay. are able to be many, observed on planets. But many subatomic particles, we're working on theory that they exist. Beyond a certain point, yes. 90% of the universe, we're working on theory that it exists. Correct. But we still spend billions of dollars researching it and trying to, to prove it and trying to document it. You, Why is that accepted? But this because theoretical that can be used to make products that make money. You can't make money on the paranormal. There's your bottom line. Unless well, you have a TV show. Good point, How much money he's making a month? You know, with with, with selling equipment. That's the kind of you know now kind of equipment that's being produced entirely for paranormal investigators. That sounds like there's a a, a million dollar industry of you know not approaching you know multi million dollar industry. Cool. There's, right. there's the catch with right that. There. There's the catch with that, Chris, is if we can get these main – it's not – we're not going to – and I don't mean to, to, to try to make your point for you here, Clarissa, but the way to get this done isn't to go to scientists and to say to them, hey, will you please accept this and call this science, and will you please you know, write a research paper about this, or will you please publish something in the New England Journal of Science and Medicine or whatever. You know, None of these – You go to a big production – You go to Sony – and you say, will you start making the EVP recorder? You go to FLIR, will you say, will you start making the handheld ghost hunting thermal imaging camera? When these companies start making it a uh, consumer category, then you will have the science and the research to go into developing it from there. Right. Do you agree with that, Clarissa, or do you think that that's maybe just the capitalist in me speaking? You know, it's, it's fifty-fifty with that one. Um, there, there's no doubt about it. You know that that people like Billy Chappell, for instance, are making money hand over fist with the experimental uh, investigating trinkets. Mm -hmm. um, you know that that's the thing. They're they're still experimental, and that's one of the great things about this field is, you know, as of right now, there there are no black and whites, and that's really what drives me is to. You know, to explore the gray areas and try try to find some of the black and whites. Well, I mean, but but I th I think a lot of it, as far as being recognized, and and I and I'm probably going to burn for this when my team hears it. Um, but a lot of it is the publicity that the TV shows are giving to the field sure. and removing some of the stigma that is attached to. Um, having a paranormal encounter and removing some of the stigma for investigators because people see it on TV and they, they immediately try to have you committed anymore when you say, yeah, I go and chase ghosts. But, I, you know, so, part of being accepted as scientists, aren't scientists supposed to be weird, wacky people? <laughs> oh, I am. <laughs> well, I'm and, and I guess I, I want to maybe uh, pass this out to... Monique, how much of science can be that gray area? I mean, I know we have theoretical sciences, and those are accepted, um, usually by people who are, you know, considered crazy by everyone else who doesn't know what they're talking about unless they, they've studied it. But it seems to me that, you know, that gray area, in other words, why is it sometimes endothermic and sometimes exothermic? Why, you know, unless we can nail those things down, unless we can create that black and white or that... that that kind of, you know, standardization where we can understand, okay, it's, it's exothermic because of this and endothermic because of this. If there is too much gray area, I'm not quite sure 
if it will ever be considered a, a science. Well, first off, the other sciences you're talking about are niche sciences. They're um, they're they're basically um, sciences that are theoretical. They're um, they're paper sciences. They're not right. actually yeah okay. There it's all it's all theory, and there's no way to ac- actually apply it or or, or test it. Uh, in, the, in the particular industry I'm in, uh, analytical chemistry. I work in a pharmaceutical company, you know, for a pharmaceutical company helping with research and development. That's a hard science. You know, we got a product. I, I'm working with multi-million dollar pieces of equipment, operating them and repairing them to get data out of putting the solutions and chemicals into it and see what it, what's in it and what are the byproducts and all of this. That's a, that's a hard science. We know how the instrumentation works. We know why it works and what, what have you. Getting into the point with the endothermic and exothermic, that's a natural reaction. And I've noticed this in all of the reports. People feel cold. They feel a cold happening before another event externally happens. Something moving, somebody being touched, something, you know, and that's a natural form of physics that we know. Endothermic means there's energy being drawn. The energy is being drawn for a purpose. It's in chemistry, it's to change the structure of a molecule, or in radio, it's for frequencies and stuff like that. And energy responds by when it's expelled out to generate heat. That's a natural byproduct of energy being expended on something, something being moved. We know those are concrete physical laws. So that. This, these quote-unquote ghosts are just performing what is naturally to be expected. Okay? Um, now, why, why we have these hard sciences like what I work in and why the, the theoreticals are accepted is, you know, the, you're right. We do look at some of these theoretical guys with a cross-eyed look like you guys but are whacked. The bottom line is that there is the... Uh, the long-term view with those theoretical sciences that there'll be a payoff somewhere along the lines, whether it be uh, for the purposes of making products in regard to them or whether or it be... Or having a better understanding of the universe, yeah. No, it's not a better understanding of the universe. It's we want to know what's out there so that someday we can... Exploit it? Exploit it. Yeah. And that's what it is. I mean, it's, it's, it, they don't want to prove time travel so that we can all you know, go back and warn ourselves to be better people. They want to create it so they can control it and they can charge for it and yeah. you know and it, it's I suppose Clarissa that uh, being a paranormal investigator who is scientifically minded uh, you know you're you're gonna suffer slings and arrows on either side of it um, I mean how are how are people coming down on you when you when you ask these questions uh, for the most part are you getting a lot of spirited debate from people, or are they shutting it down before you even get to ask any more questions? Overall, I've had a, a pretty good response to it. There have only been, you know, just a handful of, of people who have said, you're nuts, lady. Um, and then I have, you know, the, the other handful who go, wait a minute, you know, you're wanting to conduct a scientific experiment, you know, and you're an ordained minister, you know, doesn't that, isn't that a conflict of interest? which sparks a whole other debate. So, you know, really with this project, I've got my hands full. But um, overall, the response from the paranormal community as a whole has been really supportive. And a lot of people have said, yes, absolutely, this is what we need, because we're we're spinning our proverbial wheels 
You know, we can't make steps toward progress without the recognition, yet we can't get the recognition without taking the steps toward progress. So it's, it's kind of a catch-22 in some well, I areas. Think that, I think that that kind of touches upon, you know, my, what was my kind of secondary reason for it is I think there's great progress in the field being made by by the experimentation. Like, I want to be clear that I think that there is there are things that we can do to... Um, to document and to capture and to explore, um, but what happens is if we, I think, if we spend a lot of time um, ignoring what we're doing and rather focusing on, you know, what we want to be taken seriously, uh, it just doesn't work that way. Like it's, it's kind of working against itself. And, uh, and I know Clarissa is, is a is a is a, a strong investigator, and she's not, you know, like some other people who I've spoken to about this kind of thing, where you know, for them, the paranormal. Uh, Field is about um, getting people, convincing people, getting people to know that you know what we're doing is is not deviant. What we're doing is should be taken seriously. I think that we can make great progress. I think that we can invent new products. I think that we can fine tune how we search without the mass of people saying that what whoa. we're doing is not kind of wacky. Whoa, Chris. Whoa, are you saying that we should not be stumping? for it to be a science and rather let the data speak for itself that's crazy talk no it's absolutely you know i think that um you know <laughs> because what, what happens with this oftentimes one thing i want to stress this is not with clarissa what happens with this people become so tunnel visioned that all of a sudden they want to create alliances they want to um they spend all their time typing out uh, official documentation of how people do things rather than actually getting out there and investigating and getting information. And, and, and uh, what you should be doing is finding a balance between that. What you should be doing is kind of bringing in what people are doing and seeing how you can modify or change what you're doing as opposed to saying, this is, you know, this is kind of what it is. This is the science of it. This is how we look for it. Now, everyone go out and do it this way. Um, you know, I, <laughs> I was noticing, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I teach writing, and for years I've always taught my students to write or to kind of brainstorm their ideas, like my son, who says all the time, Daddy, why? Daddy, why? Daddy, why? Uh, and so I was giving that speech the other day, and I all of a sudden realized, wait a minute, my son doesn't say that much anymore. He's five now. Um, there are a lot of things in his mind. Part of it is the loss of natural curiosity. Part of it is he thinks he knows everything in the universe at yep. this point. As a parent of a five-year-old, I can tell you <laughs> right. that that's the case. There's a certain shift in his thinking where he stops. He stopped asking, um, you know, why things are the way they are, and has either accepted them or thinks he already knows. And so there's really no reason to ask. And I think that that's kind of been this the, the part of the curve that we're on with paranormal investigating. Part because what Carson was talking about this this um, mock standardization that seems to come out from the the media sources that we get that are doing it a, sort, a certain way. And so all of a sudden, you know, the, the freelancer, the person who is, has the idea outside the box, be that Frank Box, if you may, um, are the ones that are kind of getting shut out and not getting set to be, and, and, you know, saying, well, that's not really what, you know, science says we should be doing, so therefore I'm not going to listen to your ideas. And that's my fear, is that if we spend a lot of time uh, trying to create um, a, a standardized way of doing things and trying to spend our time getting it recognized by people as opposed to just going out there and doing it, um, I think there's an issue there. So if it, if it becomes 
standardized, then it will become standardized, unfortunately. If we can get it to but the point... But then it will become recognized. Unfortunately, that's what science is all about, is established methodology. But we don't actually know that this, whatever the standardization is is going to work 100% well, of the well, time. Well, the, the first thing is you should do is start small. If we can agree that everybody starts doing this this way, you know, basic little things first, then take Chris's idea of augmenting on, okay, we know that this is the shell. That we're starting with an investigation. You start with X, Y, and Z as you're established. Do this, this, and this. If you get results from this, this, and this, then move on to steps B and free form your next, you know, the, the sad thing about that is we can't even get investigators to stop wearing perfume and cologne. Yeah, for I, investigations. I, I, I understand. <laughs> I understand right, but what it, you're what you're saying is, is do what I tell you to do until you're good enough to to not to not do that anymore. What happens is a lot of people get stifled by that, and so those new ideas don't come out. I mean, we would not have most of the technology we have outside of the paranormal realm, not even within the paranormal realm, if people said, well, that's that's not, no, this is it's supposed to be this way, this is the way we want me, to do, want me to do it. And I'm afraid that investigator who has the next good idea is going to just become kind of trump, you know, trounced by what is the accepted standard. And then more importantly... Welcome to science. Does, I was going to say, that's what science <laughs> Welcome to <laughs> science. <laughs> right. <laughs> when that person does have the idea, they're like... Well, but you didn't do this, this, and this, and therefore we cannot listen yeah, to it. You know, and I, again, I, I reiterate, way. welcome to science. Right, right, which I don't want to be part of. I'm not a scientist, you know. Well, so it, we have a we have a call on the line here. Let's let's take the call, and if anybody wants to join in the discussion, five zero eight nine nine six zero five hundred one eight seven seven nine nine six fourteen twenty. Email spookycrew at spookysouthcoast.com. Uh, callers who do call in, uh, because of the way that we have the phone set up here with the multiple guests. Do us a favor, and when your your call is done, please hang up, because if we hang you up, we're going to disconnect Chris as well. So, all right, you are on the air with uh, Clarissa Vasquez and Chris Balzano. How are you doing? Not doing too bad. How are you doing? We are doing a great show, man. Thank you. Great show. Thank you. You have uh, some thoughts on the idea of the paranormal being accepted science? Well, I have a couple of questions, actually. Um, First of all... um, with the onset of all of the stuff you see on TV and everything, I mean, there's so many people out there that are calling themselves paranormal investigators now. And you're talking about guys who work at Burger King, Dunkin' Donuts, or whatever else. You know, it's there's not really a lot of scientists out there. So um, how do we start off? I guess that's my question, um, just keeping it simple for the layman. Well, if I can field that one. Sure. Yeah. Einstein was a patent clerk, right? Yeah. Everybody has to have a day job, and... Uh, I think that it doesn't. I, I, the more different fields paranormal investigators can come from, the more different ideas you're going to get. I mean, uh, you know, we we can bring in the idea of being, you know, talk show hosts for whatever that might be worth. But we bring in Matt Moniz, who is in a, an actual chemist. Uh, there's other people who whose jobs contribute greatly to it uh, as well. I mean, Ron Millione works in defense. Yeah. So he has access to technologies that we would normally have. So the more diverse the jobs are, the better it can be. That's that's just my thought. Uh, I don't know if Clarissa or Chris have anything to share on that. Yeah, and I'm a teacher, so I know when people are lying. So when they tell me their story, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I can analyze it that way. Clarissa, what, do you, uh, what my, do you think about that? My thought on the issue is, you know, and just like the, the caller said, because of the influx of TV shows and the movie Paranormal Activity, um, there has been an influx in 
people wanting to pursue this field of research. Um, and the, the flip side of, of the coin here is if we have the standards and, and some of the protocols and, and some of the recognition, then, you know, maybe it will lose some of its sparkle and the amateurs that have the tendency to go out and, and give those of us that are serious about this and work really hard at this, um, you know, they have a tendency to give some of us a bad name if they have negative experiences or rub a client the wrong way or get caught trespassing, etc. And so I think that once once the shiny wears off, um, then we won't have the the, the wannabes anymore. And, and you that mean that when it becomes work? Yeah. <laughs> well, well, you know, it's not work if you enjoy it. True, but you you get the point. Now, Chris, you've you've written extensively uh, and and discussed extensively about the ideas of of legend tripping, you know, legend seeking, where it's it's a difference between that paranormal investigation. I've written uh, before about uh, the idea of being fear junkies, and I've talked with psychologists about this. You know, with some people, it's not the scientific pursuit necessarily as much as it is the um, the idea of getting the thrill of the chill mm-hmm. and i think that's I mean, kind it of what should, it's, it should be <laughs> you know i mean i mean it's i don't think that there's anything wrong with that i think that there's a there's a, the bed's big enough for us all to jump in no but that's not um, necessarily true because i'm 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 talking about people who are there solely they're they're treating a location a haunted location as being you know, like a, a factory of terror. You know, you're going to go in there, you're going to get scared, you're going to run out screaming and then go home and laugh about it. They're not necessarily putting into it what they're looking, you know, you know, what the rest of us are looking to put into it. They're instead, they're just going there to maybe be scared by a ghost and, and that's it. I mean, and that's, unfortunately, they're allowed to put that moniker of paranormal investigator on themselves. Right, but then you have the the flip side of that, which is which are paranormal investigators who regurgitate small fragments of known science. In other words, how many of them can pop out with uh, with what Moniz said about the release and the kind of gathering of of energy? No, instead they just want to say, "Well, energy cannot be created or destroyed. Therefore, if your soul, if your if your energy and your bioenergy, and they regurgitate the stuff, they don't they're not thinking critically about it, and yet they're doing the things that they've seen, the things that might be accepted, and posing as scientists. And so I guess my, my, my idea is that, you know, if, if someone is saying that they're a paranormal investigator and they're going out there because they want to get scared, then they should be have every right, to, if they're being respectful to the situation in terms of not vandalizing or not breaking into some place, assuming that they're taking all the steps leading into the investigation that a more scientifically-based investigators should be, they should have every right to go out and have an experience. Because the one thing I found talking with two investigators, when I asked them, well, what do you think will convince other people, they always say a personal experience. And so I think wanting to have that personal experience is probably much more overwhelming than actually wanting to document it for most people. And that's completely okay. They just need to be honest with themselves and honest with the public with what exactly they're doing. And so if they're, you know, about there being charlatans, once again, not only welcome to science, welcome to every field and every kind of situation that's out there. Mm. Can I ask you a question, Clarissa? Sure. Now, 
I, I, I've done this a number of times, especially when going through college myself and the various professors would ask me, why am I so interested in this? I'm sure as an investigator, you've tried to look back in all of the um, science review journals. If you're having a problem with a scientist, ask them to, if they have a problem with what you're, what you're researching, ask them to quote you from any scientific journal, any credible non-biased study that's ever been done on the paranormal and watch and right. see if they can actually give you an answer. Right, and and I can tell you that they probably couldn't. I, try, I know for a fact that find, they can't. There is none that actually exists. Trying to find scholarly or peer-reviewed articles alone has been an absolute nightmare for this project. They don't exist. No, they don't. That's what I mean. Everybody made this... The problem with the non-acceptance by science of the subject comes from the quote-unquote supposed age of enlightenment. This is the the bastard child that they stuffed in the closet because they couldn't put the answers on this, and everybody in generations afterwards just assumed that it was uh, explained, although, like I said, it has never really been proven. It doesn't, they don't want to look at it. Let's jump into our time machines, which, you know, of course, have have been invented uh, and exploited. My TARDIS is parked right outside. <laughs> but let, let's jump into our time machine and travel back in time 100 to 120 years ago. And there were actually scientific societies made up of some of the greatest scientific minds of that time who, in their free time, were pursuing the idea of the paranormal or the supernatural. 110, 120 years ago, this Even is what they back. did. Even further back, uh, the father of science, uh, if you really, uh, in physics, if you really want to go back. Um, Once in Honeydew, yes. Yeah, okay. yeah that's it. Good, uh, you know. Um, w- was a big, uh, basically a cultist himself. I, I don't know if you were aware of that. No. Isaac Newton? Yeah, Newton. Uh, yeah. I assume you were talking about yeah. Newton, but I was unaware that he was a cultist. Yes. Um, well,. Uh, but I'm just saying, like, this is something that was accepted by science, not all of science, but there was a, a especially in Europe, a, a great deal of focus on this. And what is it, Clarissa, do you think that between, you know, 1890 and now, that's wiped it off the slate? A lot of it could be attributed to different religious movements that have happened over the last century. Sure. Um, you know, there there has been a major, major shift in mainstream Christianity as far as beliefs and practices, uh, and that's just one example. Uh, you know, another aspect could be technology. You know, 100 years ago, we couldn't disprove things as easily as we can now, and so it was easier to believe that a ghost or spirit or angel or demon uh, was what was afflicting uh, somebody, for lack of a better example, say somebody with epilepsy, mm-hmm. you know, could have been considered to be possessed. Bipolar. That exactly. was another, another big one. That's, yeah. I mean, that's what I would argue is the thing that has hurt the idea of the paranormal as being a scientific pursuit more than anything is the advent not only of um, not only of the idea of these different psychoses but the chemical treatment of them too well there's 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 a secondary part of where people were getting problems with believing in the paranormal there it, it is a, a disproof by association 
In other words, oh, we found that this person has this. Oh, so this example of the paranormal has to be wrong. Without making in science, you actually have to apply this to theory. You know, any other science, if you just said this and then didn't bother to test it, it wouldn't be accepted. But uh, obviously with this subject, I guess, guilt by association is good enough. It's it's such an easy crutch to, to blame it on mental disorders, too, because for all we know, maybe these people with these disorders are just more perceptive to the things that we could see that's if we just wanted to listen to. That's exactly what I was going to say, Tim, is that, if, you know, if you talk to really good psychics, for example, like talking with Jackie Barrett, and she says when she goes into to see people who she's like either been their life coach before they were kind of diagnosed or someplace, or just she's been asked to go into um, a psychiatric ward, things like that, she's like, you wouldn't, you couldn't imagine the amount of paranormal activity that's in there. Um, no, you're not talking to Napoleon. You're talking to someone else completely different. Your perception of him is that, but these people have been have been thrust more open, whether it's because of, of, of issues with the brain or, or with the chemistry of their body or whether it's the drugs that you were referring to earlier, they've opened gates that uh, are actually making a lot of them worse, or at least people that are suffering from the extreme cases of this. She's like, it's, it looks like, you know, walking through a rock concert, I think she actually said once, because there's just so much paranormal activity that there. She and all of them want to talk to her that she has to stop going to places like that because, you know, these people have become vessels. On one hand, we can dispel, say, okay, well, this person definitely is not being possessed by a demon because we know they have um, schizophrenia. And yet, in the same case, that schizophrenia is leaving them open to all these other people who are either trying to talk or maybe darker forces that are trying to get into their lives. I, is there, uh, Clarissa, is there a recommendation that you're making in this paper? Or are you kind of just taking the information, gathering the data as best you can, and presenting the different sides of the argument. I mean, are you are you trying to prove how it can become a science, or...? I, I don't believe that I'm personally at the level where I can... where I can prove, you know, that, that we are a legitimate mm -hmm. uh, form of scientific research. The objective with my paper is to present both sides and then make my recommendation based on my experiences, my beliefs, and my experiments um, that we should be considered a legitimate form of scientific research and have that recognition from the scientific community so that we can continue to make those strides forward uh, toward answering the, the universal questions that we share as investigators. The, the one thing that I don't think anybody's taken into account, or maybe they haven't, I don't know about it, is nobody's asked the ghosts. When you think about it, I mean, we, we stick a tape recorder out in the air, and we ask them all kinds of questions, and we develop, in, in the case of some investigators, we develop a long-standing rapport with a number of them, and nobody's kind of gone back to the idea of the Fox sisters and Mr. Splitfoot and asking them to actually create this on command for others. If you can get a willing participant yep. spirit, maybe you can pull it off. Unlike you and Mr. Borden. Yeah, well, I don't think he's very cooperative. I don't know, Clarissa, I don't know if you know, but Lizzie Borden's dad... Uh, doesn't like me very much. Really? Yeah, yeah. We've had numerous run-ins with each other. So, But, I mean, if you could find a spirit that's willing to cooperate and, and one that you – because so we hear so many times people making regular contact. I mean, Chris Moon does it to, to some degree with his telephone to the dead because the same 
technicians are coming back to him from the other side all the time and interacting with him, giving him more information. Maybe we could set something up with a spirit where they could come back, but maybe the ability to do so is so fleeting that we couldn't count on them. I know that um, Karen Mossy, um, uh, in conversations with her, uh, said that through her work with EVP, she's made contact almost with a coalition of the other side who want to communicate and help us. So maybe that's something that, you know, we could even kind of go back to her and say, hey, listen, we were talking about this the other night. What do you think about it? Oh, yeah. um, because, you know, she, she's someone who definitely believes that there are people on the other side who want to, um, who want other people, who want the, the majority of people, who want, you know, the masses to understand that there is an afterlife. And so, you know, maybe that's uh, something we can talk to her about. I'm embarrassed to say we've never had Karen on the show, which is a shame. Although we definitely we know already that. nice lady. What about yeah. the Spiritcom? The Spiritcom was uh, helped and developed by uh, spirits from the other side. At, in theory, at least that's. But I mean, was... that was just for for communication. I'm talking about for actual, you know, testing purposes. Move this. Okay, now when I bring, you know, Doctor Jones in, move it again. You know, it, just something as simple as that. Basically, turning a ghost into a trained monkey. But that might be what but, it takes. Yeah, well, that's getting the cooperation from the other side. And as you and I both know, these aren't pets. They don't perform on command. But if they're like-minded as to what we're doing. Finding the uh, right one, that's, it, that's it's, the trick. It, it, this is, this is, is going to be something that would take a lot of uh, discussion, and we're running very short on time. Uh, Clarissa, we, we thank you for joining us. And we yeah, hope, I was glad to be here. We hope that you'll keep us up to date more on the research, and we'll have you back for a full show sometime when we're not cut short by the baseball game, and, and we can really get into this because, you know, almost like all these different factors and varieties that we're talking about of, of reasons why science can shoot down the paranormal, these could all be shows unto themselves. Can we help in any way? You know, just uh, keep spreading the word, you know, that there are people out there that that are very serious about what we do. We're very committed and dedicated Almost to a fault, if you ask my husband. Well, and, uh, if you send a copy of your protocol and methodology, I'd be happy to apply it out here. I would be very happy to do that. Okay. Now, right. Chris, I will get it down in writing and get it to you in the next couple of days, I promise. Okay. <laughs> so that's right. what I can do to help. Well, this is, I mean, this is what it's all about, though. I mean, it's, it's going to come from within. It's going to come from within us. Uh, there will be a few leading voices like Clarissa who are going to, you know, ask the question enough times that sooner or later science is going to have to wake up and realize that uh, they can't keep ignoring it anymore. And that's just the way it's going to be. And, again, as I said before, <laughs> if somebody wants to start creating the paranormal line of equipment, not not some guy working out of his own garage producing piece by piece on his own, which they all do great work, the people that do that, but when you can get a mass production going, I mean, remember, not a lot of people were really convinced about the motor car until Henry Ford started rolling out the Model T. So uh, they thought it was going to be a fad. So that might be what it takes, something like that. So thank you both for joining us. And, Anytime. And, Chris, I know we're going to have you back coming up soon, so uh, we look forward to that. And, Clarissa, definitely keep us up to date with your research, and we'll talk about it more. Okay, sounds good. All right, good night, guys. Have me on, guys. Right, have a good night. Oh, I just cut off Chris. I didn't mean to do that. I do that all the time, too. All right, that is our show for tonight. Uh, again, an abbreviated version because of Red Sox baseball. We're also going to be in the same boat for the next couple of weeks. There's going to be a 7 o'clock game, so just stay tuned to WBSM after the game. We'll 
we'll have the conclusion of the game and then the post game and then we'll come on after that and we'll we have plenty of uh exciting topics coming up in the coming weeks we're getting closer and closer to the really nice weather monies it's almost time to send people out into the bridgewater triangle in the freetown state forest and i'd let the flooding subside a little first oh yeah we can't we, you need a canoe to go out there now but uh and loads of bug repellent yeah but we will definitely be doing that show coming up uh with even you know we'll have some surprises in store this year so it'll be fun and uh we'll definitely be back next saturday night at some point to talk with you about the paranormal so until then from matt moniz from matt costa i'm tim weisberg and we want you all to stay spooktacular Rest assured, listener, that my time here has not been easy, and what you have just heard was not fiction. Although, in many a desperate moment, I most certainly wish it had been. No, it's... It's over for now, it seems. Or at least, until yesterday begins again. Tomorrow, 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 tomorrow. I know the supernatural is something that isn't supposed to happen.